Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Parsley, and I sure want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm the senior pastor of World Harvest Church, where we love God and love people, and I hope you'll be inspired by today's message. Now, for more great content and lots of updates, I'd love to connect with you online at rodparsley.com. But right now, let's head into today's episode. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. When you got it, shout, I got it. You got it? Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him, meaning Jesus, by baptism into death. Isn't that exciting? I mean, you gotta have some kind of revelation to shout on that. We are buried into death. There's gonna be some killings around here. Uh Uh-huh, don't shout now. Something about to die around here. Something about to be buried in a watery grave and never, ever, 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 ever get up again. This is not a ritual. This is not religiosity. This is something very, very, very important, something, something profound, something powerful, something prophetic. It's meaningful. It has great import into your life. In fact, water baptism is the new believer's first opportunity of obedience. The very first time we have to become obedient after we've been born again, after we've accepted Christ as Savior, the very first point where we have the opportunity to turn innocence into holiness. You missed me right there. I said the very first opportunity we have to turn innocence into holiness. Watch. God said at one time he winked at sin, but now commendeth all men to repentance, right? So after you've repented, you become born again. Not of the will of men, your Bible says in John chapter one, not of the will of men. In other words, you can't come to Christ just whenever you decide to. Shove your neighbor and say, he said a thing. Come on, I know it's early in the service, but go ahead. Say, he said a thing. You are not born again whenever you decide to. The problem in the modern church is that we have a lot of folks that have made a decision but have never been converted. If you, if you keep making a track back down the hog pen trail, you've never really been converted. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I am a Wesleyan Arminian. That means nothing to most of you unless I tell you that the, the major division in the Christian world today is between Wesleyan Arminianism and Calvinism. John Calvin and John Wesley were the originators of those main stalwarts of of religious theology, if you will, the framework out of which we worship. Because please understand, you cannot have glory without government. Now see, I said it again, tweet that. I said, you cannot have glory without government. 
In other words, you have to have a foundation and structure. That's the reason the word says, O man of God, show the house to the house of Israel. Otherwise, they don't know where to live. They don't know what they're constructed from. They don't know what the materials that they were constructed from even are. So if you look theologically in Calvinism, the basic dividing point is whether or not man is unconditionally saved. Now, when you, you I, like, I like to find out the validity of a thing by carrying it carrying it to its expected and anticipated end. In other words, where does this end us up? Well, in Calvinism, it, it would end up, in my opinion, in heresy, because the eventuality of Calvinism, meaning once I'm saved, I'm always saved, and I'm totally depraved, agree with that, but I'm, but I'm, irreversibly I am my will is moved out of the way and God in his great cosmic order has decided who will be saved and who will not be saved therefore if you are saved then you can never be lost regardless of what you do so carry that carry that on out that means I can live however I want if, if I have eternal security. Now, don't believe in eternal security because the Bible says these are they who have not had their names blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. What does that mean? If there are those whose names can have not been blotted out, then it would stand to reason there are those whose names have been blotted out. Shove your neighbor and say, you can lose this thing. I think it's very important for you to understand that you can lose this thing. No, I'm going to try harder. Because I, I got a whole lot of folk that have bought in to heresy, which is basically I can live however I want and God loves me, therefore I'm saved. That is the eventuality of predestination. God determined before you were born whether you were going to be saved or not. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Now, the, the end result of that would be that I can live however I want. Well, if they can live however they want, and there are those that aren't ever going to be saved no matter what they do, they can live however they want, then you get to that heresy that is Gnosticism that says what I do in my flesh has nothing to do with my eternal salvation. That's the reason people think they can be drunk all the time. And they're cool with God. That, that's the reason people think that they can live whatever sexual lifestyle they choose to live of promiscuity or otherwise, and God's cool with that because that's just your flesh anyway. But something's going to happen here today. To have a resurrection, you have to have a death. And I think one of the reasons this kind of fallacy enters in, creeps in to the body of Christ. Well, Paul told us why it would. Paul, the great apostle said, the reason this kind of thing would be able to slip in would be because men would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, you don't like me when I'm preaching straight like this, do you? So let me, let me try smiling a little better. 
I said, because men would give heed to seducing spirits. What is a seducing spirit? Anything that draws you away from the bedrock of truth. You have to understand the Bible does not contain truth. The Bible is truth. However, you can lay the Bible on your bedstead and it's not going to get you to heaven. Because what he said is the truth that you know shall set you free. And then Paul said, how is it that you're so easily led astray from that gospel which was first delivered to you? In other words, we construct a God and a theology that is conducive to the lifestyle we've made a predetermination to live. And then we search around for a church that says, I'm cool. When in reality, you ought to be searching for a church that helps you make it to heaven. See. I'm going to try to save folks over here. I said, you ought to find a church that's interested in helping you make it to heaven. So in, watch me now. In water baptism, we have the first opportunity after full surrender of our lives to Christ Jesus. We have the first opportunity of obedience or disobedience. You with me? I'll get to it a little bit later. There was a, there was a little boy, you know, I was, I was raised a Baptist, born a Baptist, raised a Baptist, trained a Baptist, still a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. You call me Rod the Baptist. Go ahead, say it. I had a talk with uh, three different pastors last night after 11 o'clock. They all, they all getting a hold of me after 11 o'clock to see, what are you doing tomorrow? Can you help me out a little bit? And I said, we're baptizing folks. And then I went into a 30-minute discourse with all three of them about the importance of water baptism. Water baptism, the holy sacrament of the church. It is not optional. It is a command. Let me give you scripture so you, you don't think I'm making it up. You want a scripture for it? I said, do you want a scripture for it? Acts 2.28. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, okay, that's how you get born again, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's go over it again. Look at it. And Peter said, Repent, shout that. That means turn away, right? That means whatever direction you were going, hard right. Everybody shout, hard right. Hard right. Oh man, I want to get into some stuff. And, and, and repent and, repent and, repent and be baptized. So baptism is a command. The commandments of God are neither optional nor are they flexible. So at this point, we are innocent until we've heard the word. We're born again right? We've committed our lives to Christ, but the process is not finished. Why? We have another command to fulfill. You say, well, I repented. Yeah, but did you get baptized? You're, 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 you're not, you're looking at me. Am I, am I not speaking right? Repentance is equally as important as baptism, but baptism is equally as important as repentance. These two make one. There is the beginning of the process. There is the completion of the process. And some folks say, well, I was sprinkled when I was a baby or I was baptized when I was a baby. Did you repent? 
Did you repent before you were baptized? Before you were sprinkled or before you were infant baptized? Did you repent? Because repentance is the beginning of the process. Baptism is the culmination of the completion of our changing innocence into holiness. Now, let's, let's divide that up a little bit. What's holiness? What is it? Is it the way I wear my sleeves? Is it how I do my hair? Don't do my hair. What is holiness? Holiness, very simply, is separation from one thing to be set apart for another thing. Now, you talk about an advertisement. There were no Madison Avenue advertising firms when these commands were given. There were no billboards. There was no radio. There were no television commercials. Man, you got to record football games. I have, I have come to this conclusion. You will have a full hour more time to pray and be in the Word and still get your football in if you record the football game and fast forward through the commercials. Because a three-hour football game is not a three-hour football game. It's in actuality a two-hour football game. I can watch any football game in two hours that takes you three hours to watch it, and I don't have to put up with crazy commercials of stuff I don't want to buy anyway. Is there anybody here today? I'm trying to get you to understand the importance that the church has walked away from regarding water baptism. We have made it optional. It is not optional. When you complete the process of being innocent, and then how do you turn innocence before God? How do you turn innocence into holiness? How do you get that separation, the end result of which is overcoming, overwhelming, overthrowing, power in your life. How many of you could use a little more power in your life? Come on. Power over sin? Power over sickness? How'd you like for your babies never to have a childhood disease? That'd be a... How'd you like to never have to pay a doctor again? That'd be... The rest of you enjoy paying doctors. So how do we get that power? How do we get the power to walk in sustained joy, regardless of what happens, regardless of the storms of life. How do we, how do we get the power to walk in, in sustained, how do we gain the ability to walk in the power of a sustained, victorious Christian life? We have to learn the art of, of changing, watch, changing innocence into holiness, which is power. God is absolutely powerful because God is absolutely holy. God is absolutely separate. God is absolutely other. There's not, like, I don't even like when folks say, you are the one true and living God. That assumes there are other gods. There are no other gods. He's God all by himself. He's why? Because he's holy. Holiness is purity. Holiness is freedom from outside contamination. So there is only one 
only one God. I'm going to try again. There's only one, only one God. Now, I've been going 12 minutes. Have you quit me yet? Okay, so there's only one, only one God. He is the only one. There is no other like him, not in any measure. Therefore, because he is uncontaminated, unpolluted, undiluted, he is absolutely powerful. So his power, which is omnipotent, many powerful, his all potent, all powerful is the result of his holiness. So when we are saying thou, O Lord, art holy, we are saying there is nothing like you, nobody like you, you are absolutely pure, therefore you have all power. So how do we get there? How do we get there? We have to learn the art of changing innocence into holiness. You getting this, Mark? So you become born again. Here's my life, Jesus. Here it is. Take it. I surrender it to you. I come to you just as I am without one plea, and I offer my life to you. I need to become a new creature. Not the same one with religion added to it. That's the reason we have so many failures. That's the reason we have so many believers on the hog pen trail because they have left the holy sacrament of the church of water baptism behind. What we are talking about here is a circumcision. I'm not going to get into it. We are talking about a circumcision of our heart whereby we are eternally marked, where we become a billboard that announces the grace, the mercy, the power of God to change a human life from what it was to what it never dreamed it could be. I wish I had half a church. Right? So how do we change innocence to holiness? Because if if I stand in innocence before God, then God says, I want to turn that innocence into holiness. So here's how I'm going to do it. Since I gave you, as a Wesleyan Arminian, the act of will that makes a difference because God so values freedom that he gives you and me the opportunity to choose. God didn't make you marry that woman. God didn't make you live in that house. God gives you the opportunity to choose. So God says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Why? You're standing in a place of innocence. 
God doesn't know where your heart is. God doesn't know where your will is until he gives you the opportunity to choose. So like Adam and Eve, he gives you everything in the garden, but then he sticks one tree in the middle of the garden and says, don't touch it. Why? They have to have the point of the decision of their own will in order to transform their innocence into holiness and holiness into power. Because if they resisted one time, they show God that is my will and he will provide that power to them every time thereafter. You're not listening to me. So I'm talking to you about how you can do away with the struggle. I'm talking about how you can change your want to. I'm talking to you about you don't have to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, tooth and toenail every day. Let me make an announcement. You'll want to tweet this. Somebody shouted. Temptation, when habitually kept at a distance, ceases to exist. Okay, that worked for a little while, but I'll come over here. Temptation, when habitually kept at a distance, ceases to exist. You say, but how do I do that? You have the power to do that. When she bats those eyelashes at you, keep that at a distance. If you have an alcohol problem and you're seated in first class, when you walk on the plane, before they offer you the champagne, say, I'll have orange juice. You say, well, how will I have the power to do that? Well, get baptized. No light for real understand what's going on. There's a circumcision. There's a cutting off. You become, ah, I'm trying so hard. You become untethered to that to which you have been bound. That gets cut loose when you go down in that watery grave. There's a whole lot of stuff floating around down in the bottom of that pool. When you come up out there, you have been washed. Your conscience. So, so I'm a Baptist. Point your finger at me and say, you're a Baptist. So when I was a little boy, we, we had baptism every Sunday. And uh, I, I, my first experience with that, watching water baptism by immersion, my first experience, I, I thought, well, that's strange. I thought, well, hey, if it happened at our church, I believed everybody needed it. You understand? So, so we had an old Tomcat, and uh, he, he was a mouser, you know. It's before Orkin came every other day. He was a mouser. And uh, the Monday morning after Sunday, I, 
I saw him and I thought, you're a mean old cuss. I'll fix you. I'll just baptize you. So I filled up the bathtub with water and I went in there and I, and I held him. And I, I, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost unto Jesus Christ our Lord. And I went to put him in the water. You ever try to put a cat in water? That does not end well. So I, and the closer he got to that water, he was spitting and hissing and scratching and clawing and biting. And I got him down. I got just a little bit. I got a little bit of him in the water. And man, he bit me. And I just picked him up and threw him on the bathroom floor. And I said, well, just be an atheist then. I hate to tell you that's how I feel about some Christians. They're about as hard to get in the water as that old tomcat. You're not listening to me now. Uh-huh. There's some stuff they're afraid to get washed away in there. Like the old gossipy tongue. I didn't say that. Martin Luther, we're celebrating 500 year anniversary of the great Martin Luther and the 95 Thesis tacked upon that cathedral door that changed the entire landscape of Christianity forever and how glad we are for it. The just shall live by faith. But that's not all that Luther said. Luther also said, baptism is no human plaything, but rather is instituted by God himself not to be regarded with indifference, but as a great and important and excellent and a glorious thing. So if you've been water baptized, let's just say that together. It is a great thing. It is a glorious thing. It is a thing of greatest importance. It is the command of God. So when I am innocent, I become born again. Now I'm standing at the point of another choice. And here God says to me, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, every one of you. Then I have a decision to make. This, my dear brother and sister, dear saint of God, is your first opportunity. These folks today, this is their first opportunity to prove their obedience. Today, their hearts are saying, where I was disobedient, I now become obedient. And the blessing of God is released by what he does when you obey. Can you say hallelujah? So everybody just take another dip. I'd like to baptize everybody in a place fresh today. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So let's look at it. Baptism has a purpose that is worthy of its divine institution. 
God Almighty instituted this for the church. It's a sign that is authorized by God that mercy and grace are real. I have a question for you. Do you think if we put a billboard out there that said, God is real, that would change anybody's mind? Think it change anybody's mind? I mean, folk driving down the road, one took over the line, sweet Jesus. They look up at that billboard and say, God is real. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just got diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. And they see a billboard out there that says God is real. Think that's going to do anything for them? No, rather they're going to get mad at the billboard. Because they're going to say, if God's real, why am I in this situation? So God, that's why I love marketing so much. Because God was the greatest marketer of all time. He said, look, I'm going to put a billboard in the earth. I'm going to advertise that I am real. I am going to give forth a commercial that lets every single human being know that I am a savior and salvation, that I am a healer and healing, that I am a deliverer and deliverance, that I am a provider and provision that I'm a protector and protection, that I'm a redeemer and redemption. Shall I go on? You say, well, how's he going to do that? He's going to do that by having every believer follow Jesus into a grave and resurrect a different human out the other side of it. Shove your neighbor and say, you're a good advertisement. Now, I don't know. You're supposed to be a good advertisement. God advertises so well. He, 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 gave, he gave the earth a sign after the flood of Noah that he would never again destroy the world by water. A rainbow. Now, if rainbows disappeared, we might assume that God had forgotten or that the time limit of his mercy and grace had run out or that he had changed his mind or that he had gone on a vacation. But I got good news for you. That rainbow will always be in the sky and every time we see it, we know God will never again destroy the earth. So you become an advertisement when you come up out of that watery grave that the God we serve is still able to save, still able to heal, still able to deliver. You didn't know what God's purpose for you was. So take the other sacrament, Holy Communion. Every day, I receive that bread. Every day of my life, I receive that cup. Every day of my life, I examine my life before God. You know, if you get up every morning and receive the body and the blood of the Lord, 
and remember that he is in you and you are in him as Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ. If you would remember that his blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness, if you would remember that there is healing, spirit, soul, and body, and in all that pertains to life and godliness, there's healing in the blood. That the blood washes you, that the bread, that there is, that there are healing is a children's bread. If you would remember that he laid down his life for you, if you would remember that he thought so much of you that he would allow you to partake, that the veil in the temple was rent so that he, God who was inside, could get to you and so that you who were separated could get to him. If every morning you would remember those things, then you would become a billboard. Watch me, watch me. If we did not, in Holy Communion, that sacrament, God says, as often as you do this, not as seldom. He said, as often as you do this, do it, watch, in remembrance of me. It is a spiritual forget-me-not tied around your finger so that, or an alarm set on your phone. Somebody was late to an appointment with me the other day. They said, I'm sorry, I forgot. I said, do you have a cell phone? They said, yes. I said, did you set your alarm? They said, what do you mean? I said it when I got up this morning. There, hey, it is nothing for me. I don't know about you, but I'm 60. It is nothing for me to set five, six, seven alarms on my phone every day to remind me where I've got to go next, what I've got to do next. Amen? So that's what Holy Communion becomes, doesn't it? It becomes an alarm to let you know when your body wants to stay in bed, you better get up. When you want to tell everybody how sick you are, you better start talking healing. When, Because I double, I double dog dare you to try to take that bread and take that cup and then trample through the blood of Jesus that day and act like you think God is gone, that God is removed. No, sir. He's inside you right now. The blood that Jesus, I'm not supposed to preach, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back at Calvary has never lost its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Not just at Christmas, not just at New Year's, not just at Thanksgiving, not just once a month in a church service. Give me this day before I put a morsel of food in my mouth, before I put a drink of water in my mouth. Every day, give me that bread. Give me that cup. I got to have it. Am I helping anybody? Well, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, I just don't feel the Lord anymore. You ain't going to feel him watching the dirty housewives. Come on, man. Come on, man. You got to practice an awareness of his presence. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the dirty housewives. I don't know. I don't watch them. If you do, that's okay. Let every man seek out his own salvation in fear. 
Job said, when I consider the Lord, I fear him. So maybe before you turn the dial, you just take the cup and the bread and you set it down on your table and say, now, Holy Spirit, come. Am I helping anybody? I know it's practical. I know it's not. I think we had a little too much and no doctrine and no theology and no foundation and no basis. Woo. Glory to God. We're going to baptize some folk here in a minute. I told you before, baptism creates Romans 6, 5. If we have been planted baptized, buried together in the likeness of his death, you're never going to have a cross. You're never going to be put in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. What are you talking about? Jesus did that for you. The same way he bore your sicknesses, carried all your pain. The same way he provided exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think for your family, for your business, for your home. The same way he provided for you. Listen, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's what that water symbolizes, that grave into which Jesus entered. We shall also, somebody ought to shout, thank you, Jesus. We shall be also in the likeness or a reflection of or an advertisement for his resurrection. They're not going to Jerusalem and looking at an empty tomb. They're looking for the stuff in your life that they know had you in bondage that you are now walking free from to advertise. You ought to let believe God for a new car and let it be your advertisement. Believe him for a new house and let it be your advertisement. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He saved me right on time. Woo! I'm having fun if nobody else is. Here we go. I'm going to get through this really quick. Really quick. Ezekiel 36, 25. I will pour clean water on you and you will be clean. Now this isn't soap and water for your body up here. This is not a bubble bath. This is an entirely different kind of bath. This bath cleanses your conscience from dead works. This bath separates you from the world, the flesh, and the devil so that you stand today and make a declaration and an announcement that your allegiance for the rest of your life to any government, to any king other than the Lord Jesus Christ, be it the king flesh, king the devil, or the things of this world, you are no longer theirs. You are Christ, Galatians 3.19, and heirs of the covenants of promise. Woo!
come up out of that water. You don't belong to your business. You come up out of that water. You don't belong to a relationship. You come up out of that water. You no longer have an allegiance to your flesh. So when your flesh rises up against you, you have no, no problem standing in holiness and power because you made this decision to say, no, sir, I ain't doing that. Okay, I ain't getting away. You know what this does? I'm going to slip this in. You can take it out later. You know what this does? This takes away your excuses. This destroys your ability to blame anybody and anything else. Why? Because you're becoming divorced from allegiance. Watch this preacher to the culture. I don't have to dress like them. I don't have to talk like them. I don't have to go where they go, do what they do. Yeah, but I want to. Well, see, that's your problem. Come way back here till you want to. Because he's not going to make you. But when you wait on out, in the water wait on out and be baptized you're saying to the spirit of the world and the culture i don't belong to you i got four people saying amen i don't belong to you Woo. i am christ's period I am his, period. Man, we need to get back to some bedrock, though none go with me. Where you lead, not where the culture leads. I wish I had a bunch of preachers. If he was a healer, he is a healer. If the baptism in the Holy Spirit is doctrine, preach it, practice it. Woo, get you some water. Shove somebody and tell them, get you some water. We ought to do what we used to do in the old days. Go out and break the ice off the thing this morning. I got to hurry. Here's what it says. I'm going to give you five points in three minutes. Here's what water baptism says. One, Galatians 3.19. I just preached it to you. I am Christ's, period. I'm his. Sold out. Bought with a price. I went to the slave block on my own accord. I'm a bond slave. Dead men 
Dead men, dead men cannot exercise their will. That's the reason you can't decide whether you want heaven or hell after you're dead. Free moral agency is for now. The choice is for now. Will I repent? Will I be baptized? Will I be resurrected in the newness of life to walk after Christ and him alone? This is the point of decision. There is no purgatory. I Okay, I got to hurry. I took one and a half of my three minutes. This is the place this morning where we remember that in water baptism, we renounce publicly allegiance to any other authority of the culture, the flesh, or the devil and surrender our allegiance to Christ and to Christ alone. I want to stay there. Secondly, this is a revolution. What's happening this morning is a revolution. A revolution is the overthrow of one government for another. Today, today, we renew our public profession and confession to the world, to the flesh, to the devil. We do not belong to you. We will not give you our allegiance. Our allegiance changes. Our attitude changes. Our tire. What do you mean your attitude changes? The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You're grumpy, grouchy, mean, sidewinding spirit has to stay in the water. Ooh, God Almighty. Are they up there ready? Are they ready? Can they hear me? Are y'all getting this? Y'all getting baptized today. You getting this? Are you getting it? Here we go. Here we go. Are you leaving me? Oh, you're getting ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Secondly, today we remember that water baptism is the outward demonstration of an inward work. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart will I give you a new spirit will I put inside you. I will take away your old stony heart and I will give you a heart of flesh to serve self-sacrifice his entry-level Christianity. If you don't have a servant's heart, you need to water. You don't have a servant's heart 
if it's okay with you if you make one church service a month, if you don't have a heart to come in here, gather with his saints, worship him with your whole heart, you need the water because you've not been cut off. Something's still got a hold of you. You're serving some other allegiance. Don't be calling him king of kings and you got seven other kings ahead of him. The Baptist boy came to preach today. Here we go. Third, I obey. I already went over that. Your first opportunity of obedience or disobedience. It's a command. It's not optional. It's not flexible. Let's see. One, two, three, four. It's the outward billboard that my heart has changed. My mind has changed. And I am a new creature. Your Bible declares it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, raised to the newness of life, he is a new creature. He is a new species of being. If you were bound to drink before you were saved, get ready because it's about to leave you today. If you were bound to anything, if there's anything in your life you can't live without except Jesus today, it gets buried in a watery grave. Mm. Last one, possibly the most important. Today, I announce, pronounce, confess, profess, and receive that I, in my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body, and all of its activities, am washed clean as clean as Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned. Period. That's God's work. Now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush through this a sanctifying act. It's a sanctifying act. What does that mean? It separates you. When you become separated, the more separated you are, the more holy you are. You don't, which means the more power you have. You don't believe that? Sanctify one hour of your day in the morning to God, to nothing but the word and prayer. And I promise you the next time sickness tries to rise up in your life. I promise you. The next time your temper wants to go off, something in you bigger than you will rise up in you and calm you down. Do you believe this? You not only become clean, watch, you receive the power to stay clean so that you can lift up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. Blessed be the name of God forever. Holiness unto God now and forever. In the old covenant, they would cut the foreskin of the man 
and say he is separated unto God. In the new covenant, water baptism, circumcision of the heart, my heart has been cut off from allegiance to anything but Jesus. Ooh. I go where he wants me to go, say what he wants me to say, do what he wants me to do. I do it, not because I have to work at it, but because I have to try not to do it. I promise you, I didn't have to try to go to church this morning. I, there was no trying in it. I'd have to try to stay home. I did when y'all made me stay home. And then I'd have my cell phone on and my TV on and my iPad on. All of them pumping service into my house. And I just need to remind y'all, I just need to remind y'all in Columbus sitting there watching me right now, you ought to be right here. You ought to be right here. Hallelujah. I will remain clean. Ephesians 5, 26, we are made clean by the washing of the water, by the word of God. James 4, 7, I will resist the devil and he will flee from me. I will resist him in word. I will resist him with my praise. I will resist him with my servant's heart. I will resist him by doing good when evil is always present. I will give him no place, no topos, no position of opportunity. Why? He has no part in me. My life is hid with God in Christ Jesus and that evil one touches me not. Touch your neighbor and say, this is meat and potatoes. This is meat and potatoes. This is not an ice cream sundae. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Think about the Our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, sanctified, set apart, holy, hallowed be thy name, above every name, that at that name, every knee must bow and tongue confess. He is Lord over your mind. He is Lord over your will. He is Lord over your emotions. He is Lord over your body. He is Lord over your bank account. Woo. I'm going to shout myself. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth now as it is currently being done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Hey, the Pope did a good thing. What? The Pope. He's changing the words of the Our Father. He's not changing them. He wants them to be according to the original text rather than errant translations. And he's absolutely right. The line that he's changing is, lead us not into temptation. That would presuppose that God is involved in your temptation. Your Bible says, any man is tempted, watch me, when 
he is led astray by his own lust, desire. God tempteth no man with sin. So why would we say, God don't lead us into temptation? As if he would lead us into temptation. He never leads us into temptation. So the actual translation is, not lead us not into temptation, but let us not fall or follow into temptation. Oh, see, we don't like that. We don't shout about that. We liked it when we could blame God. Because we like to blame anybody and anything. But we can't blame now. He's not leading you into temptation. He's not leading you into sin. Sin is the willful transgression of the known law of God. Woo! I will remain clean. Okay? So that's the reason you need to be in next steps one and next steps two. That's the reason you need to be in a life group. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to the other. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to become accountable to anyone. How's your prayer life? What are you struggling with? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to put me between you and your enemy, but I can't do that if you won't open up and share your heart with me. Where's your, where's your burden? What are you going through? Were you at church Wednesday night? Ask me if I'm at church Wednesday night. Where was he? Elders don't even come. Elder. Elder. Linda. They don't even come. Why should I come? I see those people. They put them on the second row all the time. Let them go on Wednesday. I worked today. Jesus. You, well, you know, the kids. The kids got school. Some of y'all been waiting all summer for school to start so you could use that one. I said, Kat, the other day, I said, hey, I missed you in church Wednesday morning. You know what he said? He said, well, somebody borrowed my lawnmower. I said, what did that have to do with you being in church on Wednesday? He said, nothing. I just figured one excuse was as good as another. We don't want to be accountable. You want to stay clean? Get accountable. You want to stay clean, brother? And you used to hit the pipe? Find you a mentor. Find you a life group. Find you somebody to call. Hey, 
Man, I'm walking into this temptation right now. I was with my pastor. I was with my pastor. And a pastor called him. We got time. It's just 1120. I was with my pastor in his office. The phone rang. He picked it up, put it on speaker. He often did that so I'd learn how to deal with people. It was a pastor. Well, it was an evangelist in a panic, weeping. If I said his name, every person in this room listening and watching would know who it is. She just called me. Who, your wife? No, 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 not my wife. She just called me. Brother Sumrall, she, she told me she's at the hotel. She, she told me where the key was to the room. She's, she's waiting on me. She told me she had prepared herself for me. And, and God wanted to bless me. And, 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 and Brother Sumrall, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. His wife was standing in the room. He said, dear God, man, don't do that. I'm going to get in my airplane. I will be there in two hours time. You have a demon spirit. His wife got mad at that statement and said, his name is so-and-so and whatever he needs to deal with spiritually, I'm sure he's able and hung up the phone. And that man ended in one of the most horrible, horrific crashes of any ministry worldwide since the day of Pentecost. Trying to be accountable. And a wife, Jezebel, standing in the way. You know the first issue with that? He's not the head of his house. That's the first issue with that. Be accountable. Get connected. The first banana to leave the bunch always gets skin. Be accountable. Stay clean. You're getting clean today. Some of you are recounting your baptism. Shout, I'm going to stay clean. I have a whole lot more, but I, I better move on. You, you enter into the communion of the saints. What does that mean? My friend, it means you are never alone. You are never alone. And I know we're getting away from a lot of the, you know, Christianese, if you will, Christian, you know, traditional words. I, I know that. And I, I'm okay with a lot of it. But I don't know that we should ever stop calling each other brother and sister. I really don't. I think we need some fathers in the church. I think we need some mothers in the church.
Look at somebody and just say, you're my sister. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're more family because there's one body, <laughs> one baptism. And through that baptism, we are all baptized into one body. We can't escape each other. We can't get away from each other. We are forever connected. We are brothers and we are sisters and we don't have our own DNA because we died with him and are resurrected with him. He is our father and Jesus our elder brother and we have his DNA. That's who we are. Stand up, shout and clap and give him glory. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.